Hey friend, I'm Laura Lee and welcome to Living in the Light. Each week, I will sit down with a friend who is an artist or creative as they share their story of how Jesus brought them from the dark and into His glorious and powerful light. At the end of each episode, I'll be diving into a passage of scripture and bringing you truth straight from the Word of God. This is a space for you to be encouraged and to remember that your story matters and that with God, even the broken parts of your story can have incredible purpose and meaning. I'm here to bring real life to light. Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. You're going to love today's episode with my friend Dustin Seithammer. Dustin was most recently seen in the Marvel film X-Men, The New Mutants, as the villain, The Smile Man. Dustin has been a featured dancer on Glee and General Hospital and was the resident choreographer for two seasons on The Bold and the Beautiful. He wrote, co-produced, and directed Revelation the Musical, which I actually saw off-Broadway this past year. It's wonderful. And fun news that he shares in today's episode is that his project Revelation is celebrating their 10-year anniversary this coming Friday. Dustin has written six full-length musicals, performed in five different national tours, and is currently living in New York City, where he goes to Church of the City, NYC. He has truly created a life and a career around his artistry, and his heart for Jesus is inspiring. Be encouraged by today's episode with Dustin. Well, hey, Dustin. I am really excited for the opportunity to chat with you today. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. It's so fun to chat. So fun. You're in New York City, which I'm so jealous. Back here I in Arkansas. I love it. Oh, so fun. Well, on the podcast, we bring real life to light. And it's so evident in your life and in your work that you are passionate about the Father and the Word of God because you are actively bringing your gifts of creating and your love for the Creator together. I love that about you. So I'm really excited to get to know you more and for you to share your heart and your passion behind your artistry. We're going to get there in today's episode, but I want to start with you, Dustin, because you have a story considering the fruit that is just overflowing from your life and from your work. So I want to ask, how has the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ, our Savior, brought you personally from the dark, rescued you from your mess? and brought you into freedom and personal relationship with him? Mm, it's I, such a wonderful question. <laughs> and, um, I feel like it is, it is the question. Um, I yeah. think it's a question that, you know, at, at the end of our lives, we'll all have to answer what, what did you do with Jesus? You know, like what, um, yeah. you know, sometimes I, I, I'm a writer and sometimes you have to know the ending before you can start writing the beginning and the middle. Mm. Um, you have to kind of know where you're going. And mm. sometimes, um, you know, you, you can write a real compelling ending if you kind of have a focus in mind of where you want to go. And I feel like my life has been a little of that working backwards, um, you know, where I feel like sometimes God does that. He calls us to, like, he tells us something in his word 
some truth to hold on to and we don't see evidence of it in our life yet yeah and we have to kind of hold on to it and believe um and just in different areas i think we all have to do that whether it's with families or jobs or careers um school you know we we're believing for different things or um healing in different areas and um sometimes i think God calls us to work backwards to say like, hey, these things are true. You might not see it in your life at this moment, but I'm working it out to be true for you. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. He is always working it out to be true for us. So how have you seen him? Um, yeah, just come into your life and write that story. I think one of the biggest areas that I have experienced that in my life, um, for some of my earliest memories um, just as I was a child and growing up, um, just even just dealing um, with sexuality at a very early age, um, there was, I was, I grew up in a home where, um, we weren't, um, sexually abused, but there was, um, in my external family, a lot of abuse in our family. And so, um, things of sexual nature really were forefront in, mm-hmm. um, just at a, at a young age. And so I think maybe more than, other kids, you know, just questions about sex and sexual development and feelings and things like that were discussed pretty openly in my my home. And um, I just remember feeling sexually very different. Um, Some of my earliest memories are just same-sex attracted, um, you know, just as a a really young child. And then um, on top of that too, just kind of not feeling comfortable in my skin as a boy. Um, and feeling um, just that so many of my interests growing up were more feminine, you know, like other yeah. boys would be playing soccer during recess and I just wanted to like make potholders with the girls. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wanted to like braid and crochet and, you know, just all of those things. And yeah. um, so there was just, I had just different interests and mm-hmm. like looking back, um, I just think my life would have been a lot easier Um, a lot of my interests and passions would have aligned in an easier road if I had been born into a different body. Um, And Mm -hmm. there was just a lot of struggle with um, just sexual identity in that way and just kind of feeling a little bit body dysmorphia, like not quite feeling um, present in my body or like my body fit who I am. Yeah. Um, So that's that's so interesting. I'm also um, six foot eight. Um, so I'm, wow. <laughs> so I'm really tall, you know, I wake up in the morning and I look and I just think, wow, my feet are really far away from me. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just they like, are. A, they very, truly are. it's, it's really true. And so it's just like, I, I, I had a pastor, you know, just tell me once about my height, you know, they were just really trying to just to emphasize that like we're not our bodies Mm. like we have a body but we're we're souls we're spirits and god created that and that's what's going to go into eternity and Mm -hmm. it's not it's not the inches of my height that's going to go with me but it's the it's my soul my spirit like it returns to god who created it and i think being six foot eight i could really understand like oh yeah I'm, i'm not my body you know like i this is just a, a shell for me, but mm. I think translating that also into sexuality too, um, we realize there's different scriptures that like talk about us being strangers here or, you know, like mm. we're exiles and, um, or aliens. Yeah. And I, I feel that way sometimes. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, I think I, we all I, do. 
you know, I think we can feel very comfortable in our bodies and we like just forget that we're just having this really odd, mysterious, magical, mortal experience Mm. for a moment. You know, in James, it just says it's here for a minute and then vanishes like spoke. Um, in, in Ecclesiastes, it talks about the same thing, that our life is just here for a moment and, and vanishes. It's a, a great translation of the, the familiar verse, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. Like a, a real accurate translation is soap bubbles, soap bubbles, and just the temporal nature of blowing a bubble, so watching it, seeing like, wow, that's so beautiful. And then what, what happens to it seconds later, pop, and it's gone. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the quality of our life. And um, so I think wrestling with things with like sexuality and our desires, keeping the big picture in mind that our life is just here for a moment has been really important because we want to take such ownership of this earth experience. And, you know, what we do here matters immensely, but there's also a quality to it that it's only a moment. It's only a moment. And so to... I think just balance those two things, <laughs> you know, like that life is so meaning, meaningful. And then on the other hand, it's like, what is your life? James says, it's a, a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Yeah. And the Amen. walk and intention of that has been interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so good that we all don't feel at home here because we're not at home yet. Uh, and especially when we haven't found Jesus yet, I think, when you find him, you're like, oh, this makes sense. Like he, he makes sense. He makes you make sense. But then there's still the fact that you're not in the kingdom yet. You know, like mm-hmm. we are not in our ultimate home. So there's, there's always this pull and tug of we're here on earth and it's a fallen world and our bodies are just like deteriorating. I was saying that to my sister yesterday, like we have pores in our nose and it's just like, getting gross stuff out constantly because we just hold on to crap. Like that's our, like, there's just a sermon in that, you know what I mean? Like, just so good, but. um, (laughs) (laughs) It's, it really is interesting though. Like I've, I've had, um, you know, just an opportunity to, um, I don't know, be a part of like nightlife with like drag queens and the trans community and, um, just I have some just close friends who are in um, who are walking those experiences. and it's yeah. it's really interesting that sometimes the thing that can be the most struggle in our life can actually become our greatest strength. And you know, like in some of my conversations with some of my trans brothers and sisters, you know, like they just have such a strong sense that this world is not, you know that they they feel foreign in their body. Mm. And um, it, it breaks my heart. But on the other hand, I'm like, this is such a gift. It's like, I can relate to this. It's like, they don't have to be convinced that this experience isn't their own, that they feel out of place. You know, like it, if you talk to someone who feels very comfortable in their body, it, it's a hard conversation to be like, hey, don't you feel like maybe your spirit is different than your body? You know, and that's a, a hard conversation. But like with my trans brothers and sisters, they, you don't have to convince them that we're strangers here, you know, that this, you know, body, this is just a tent, you know, and there's some really cool spiritual things that through their struggle and through their differentness that they're able to really understand mm. more than I think a lot of, you know, people who've been raised in the church. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you feel like the Lord has taught you about your identity in him? Um, 
through that struggle? You know, I um, it, it's an ongoing thing. Um, mm-hmm. It definitely is a journey, as they say. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, but I, there was a verse, um, it's in Psalms, and David says it. He says, your boundaries have fallen for me in pleasant places. And I remember hating that verse because I couldn't say it with confidence. You know, like I would look at the quote-unquote rules of religion and the rules of Christianity, and it just felt cruel to someone who's experiencing same-sex attraction or someone who um, Mm. is feeling sexually, like, misgendered. It it just, that feels cruel to, you know, it feels limiting. It feels, um, you know, like your borders have fallen for me in pleasant places. I couldn't agree with that. I was like, I don't, I don't want those rules. If these rules say that I can't act on what I feel are my natural desires, I don't want those rules. And um, in 2017, I think there was really, I saw that verse in a new way and just realized that that the boundaries that God puts in place are for our good Mm. and even our own protection, our own, um, for the saving of our lives. And, you know, without some of those protections, without some of the, like the law of the Lord, we would, we'd be crazy. We'd just be doing what everyone all the time, you know, there, there would be no morality. There would be no structure. There would be no law. Um, just without the law of the Lord. And, you know, ultimately the law is put in place to show us our sin, to point us to Jesus as the fulfillment of all of that. But, um, you know, with, but I really just saw in 2017 that the boundaries had fallen in pleasant places, not because I always agree with them, but because I agree with the heart of the God who made those boundaries. And so looking yeah. at things that used to seem unfair to me, um, you know, being same-sex attracted or things that seemed limiting, I now just saw in a complete, completely different way that within these boundaries, God has given me the permission to live the most vibrant life mm. imaginable. And it, wow. it might look... I, I had to come to terms that vibrant life might look risky to Christians. It might not look at as orthodox as some other Christians would like it to look, but the freedom that God has given me within those boundaries is big. And, um, you know, obedient if we give ourselves. And just within within those boundaries of obedience, there is vibrant, vibrant, full life. And so I, I, I'm still, you know, walking this out and um, getting better at loving those boundaries. But I really, there was a shift a few years ago in me that really, I feel, saved my life. Wow. Dustin, thank you for sharing that, first of all, because I know that has to be just it's vulnerable to share like the deepest parts of what the Lord has come in and done in your life. And, um, yeah, I've been meditating on recently just how things have to be actually dead to be resurrected. And it's amazing that the Lord, like in obedience wants to walk with us as we just die to our flesh constantly And I love that you talked about the boundaries that, you know, you put those in place 
because of his love for us. Like he loves us so much that he wants to give us the fullness of what is inside those boundaries. So um, yeah, what a blessing that you were able to share that. Oh, thank you. I'm glad it was encouraging. I, it really has been, um, it has been a journey, you know, and God is just really just showing me that it really is true. You know, I think sometimes um, those of us who are like um, confused with sexual identity or same-sex attracted can feel like God is robbing us of so much. Like the, um, I, I've had times in my instances in my life where it's like sharing the gospel to a person who's same-sex attracted or, you know, sexually um, questioning their identity doesn't seem like good news. You know, like there have been seasons where it's like, sharing the gospel means that they have to give up everything that they hold dear to right now. And, um, and that's certainly one way to look at it. Um, but I think the greater truth is what God is calling us into is bigger and more magical and just more vibrant than anything we could imagine or anything the flesh will ever lead us to. Even if it means that we feel lonely, even if it means we feel disappointment at different times, um, like what we are called into, like the, it is just incredible and it's just, it's worthy of celebration. And I, I want to create from that place, you know, like that vibrant, that vibrant place that God has invited me into. I want to celebrate, um, who Jesus is, um, and who he has been and how faithful he's been through all of my questioning years. And, um, yeah, I just want to continue just to live as vibrantly as I can, um, mm just with my pal Jesus who's rescued me yeah. from a multitude of things. Oh, amen. It, it just makes me think that, you know, that was something you had to lay down, but we're all like, maybe not every person struggles with that specifically, but we're all laying things down in order to follow Jesus. Like he says, like, drop everything and follow me. And it's, it's truly that that's our whole life is just learning how to drop things as we follow him. And it leads to, like you said, more freedom, more fullness, more understanding of who we've really, like who he created us to be. Um, And I'm sure that just overflows into freedom and you're creating as an artist too. Yeah. I, I think the tendency sometimes for, for those of us who've like, God is asking big things, you know, identity things to give up. He, he, I think he calls all of us to give up our identities. You know, like we, yeah. you know, he, here he's, he says like here in Paul says here in Christ, there is neither male or female, you know, slave or free barbarian Scythian. I mean, he, he goes through, he goes through gender. He goes through race. He wow. goes through economic um, success. He goes through, what am I forgetting? I think there's four different things that he um, race, gender, economic like status um maybe it's just three I don't know (laughs) but it's like yeah but he's just saying like I'm inviting you into a place that is so radical that these Mm. things that we identify ourselves as don't matter like they're they they are sacred because he's given us a sexuality he's given us a race and those to be celebrated but in the kingdom of God it's like truly we all stand on equal footing you know, and we all bow a knee at the same cross. And it's such a, um, there is no, no one greater in the kingdom of heaven. Um, 
you know, based on any of those things. And it's just, it's so cool and such a radical thought to come in thousands of years ago, you know, like this quote unquote social justice, you know, like thousands of years ago, Jesus came on the scene and was presenting something so much more radical than we're even catching up to 2000 years later. Yeah. You know, like we're, we're still trying to wrap our mind around like how radical this kingdom is that Jesus is talking about. Yeah. And there was no one left out of his ministry when he was here on earth. I mean, there's no one left out of the kingdom. No. Yeah. Yeah. No one at all. But he just demonstrated that so beautifully in his life that he, there was just not a person he didn't see, not a struggle that he didn't um, go towards and move towards. And he's just not scared of our mess. Yeah. I love too that like he's an equal opportunity employer, you know, with the gospel that like, he says like, I don't condemn you, you know, like, I don't condemn you now go and sin no more. And that, you know, like, you know, repent, the kingdom of God is near. It's just, it's such a, it it depends on what you're holding in your hand at the moment. He tells you that it can seem burdensome, but when you Mm -hmm. realize the freedom that he's setting us free from, it's like the most beautiful gift. Like I, he's given me the opportunity to repent from something that's going to kill me. He's given me, you know, something that ultimately is going to bring me harm, you know, and in, um, it's his grace. It's his grace. In my late twenties, um, I experimented sexually with a lot of different things and just, I, I have a lot of different attractions and a lot of different, you know, I, I have felt same sex attracted and I have felt, um, non same sex attracted. And I just, I've had a lot of different, um, I don't know, just attractions and appetites and desires and things over the years. And I I feel like God has, um, I I just, I never, it never made me, it never satisfied what it hoped it would, Mm. you know, like I never left a circumstance thinking, man, I feel so much better. I did that. You know, I never left, you know, one of those moments of thinking like, man, I'm sure glad that you know, I, I said it earlier, like obedience is a gift we give ourselves. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, I know that from both reading it in the word, but I also know it from personal experience that, you know, walking down a road contrary to God's heart is only going to bring us harm long term. It might feel great in the moment, but fast forward the tape a little bit and it doesn't bring the satisfaction that we hope it can't. Yeah. You know, it it's it's a counterfeit, you know, and the devil loves to like, to lie and just make us think that these things will bring us satisfaction and purpose and meaning. And, Mm. um, and and they do sometimes for a minute, you know, for a moment or a little bit, but ultimately like they're, they're just idols. They can't do what God promises us that he does. Yeah. Give like the satisfaction of our souls. Yeah. I think one thing that we don't always do great at is when we are talking about the gospel is talking about like how much it does cost, you know, like Jesus is not shy to talk about how much it costs to follow him. And it, I mean, he sacrificed himself, like God sent his own son to die on the cross for us, like a huge sacrifice so that he could be with us forever And he's calling us to, he says, like, take up your cross and follow me. And that means like taking up our cross, like laying things down, sacrificing. It means sacrifice in this life. And it's easy to just like hear this gospel, this, you know, it is freedom. It is life. It is fullness. It is hope, all of that, but it is death to self. Like those things coexist and that you 
as you die to those things, like you do experience the fullness of Jesus himself, like abiding in him. There's just nothing like it. But if we miss out on the fact that like it costs us something, like it makes me think of any kind of relationship, like you get into a relationship and you don't sacrifice anything else for the other person. Like, what is it? You know, what is it? Like, (laughs) how do you express love for someone without sacrificing for them? Like, Mm -hmm. it's just... You know, it's so it, it makes sense when we think about it in terms of our earthly relationships, but um, it doesn't feel good. Like, I just want to say, like, it doesn't feel good most of the time. Uh, you know, he he is a, a wonderful, but what he calls us to is, you know, out of this world. It's different. It's it's in a different realm. And it's, yeah, it, it changes us. You know, love changes us. And it's like I have conversations about NASCAR with my dad, not because I love NASCAR, but because I love my dad you know, yeah. and it's like, he loves NASCAR. And so it's like, I, the things that he loves, I start to love, you know, mm-hmm. and it changes my heart towards, you know, car races and, you know, yeah. things like that. And it's, it's like, I just love my dad so much. And so I, in order to connect with him, I want to connect with the things that he loves. And yeah. it's, I just love that God is not cruel, that he doesn't love things that harm us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause that would be a much harder gospel to follow if he was telling us you know like to do things that actually harm us or put us in danger and it's like but he's not he's not calling us into those like his burden is light you know his yoke is easy yeah and I, I just what a kind God what a kind God and he created us he made us in his image informed us how can we say that what he calls us to in his word is not, you know, for our good. Yeah. Um, that apart from him, I, there's a Psalm, I, I can't remember which one it is, but where it says like, you lack no good thing. And I, I think in this time specifically, like that's just been a gospel message for my own heart of, I, okay, I may not have this and I may not have that. And that may have been taken away from me. And like, I'm not living in the city I dreamed of living, you know, just all of these things that yeah. apart from him, like we lack no good thing. We have everything. So I love that. You know, I think sometimes I have, you know, I resonate with the the story with the, um, the rich young ruler. He comes to God and, you know, he's just like questioning and he's done a lot of good in his life. And Jesus acknowledges that it's like, wow, you've done some amazing things. Now just go and sell everything you have. And the the story ends like the, the rich young ruler walks away sad. And I think there's been times in my life where I've walked away sad because I love what God is asking me to give up. You know, there's been moments where it's like, oh no, my heart really identifies with the rich young ruler. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's like I've walked away sad from invitations the Lord has given me because I I love what He's asking mm. me to put down. And it's I, I love what you're saying that the gospel is good and it's vibrant, but it's not it's not cheap. You know, it comes with mm. a, a cost for us um, yeah. and, and we gain the world. So it's like the transaction is like a no brainer, you know, like it's what, what we gain is so much more than what we give up, but it does, it does cost us something we might love. Yeah, for sure. Um, what comes to mind right now is just the power of prayer. And we talked about that on a couple, a few episodes ago, but um I just think the enemy does not want us praying. Like he just hates it. Like he does not want us communicating with God and moving powerfully in the spiritual realm. And one prayer that, you know, I think that resonates with what we're talking about or anything that you want to give up, but you just feel like it's absolutely impossible 
to lay that down um, in, you know, only in the power of the Lord. But when he, the prayer of just like, God, I want my heart's desires to be your desires. Mm. I think that is so powerful that he hears that. Like he says, ask and I listen, I respond. And he wants, he wants us to, to want what he wants for us. So I think that there's just something really powerful and just at, calling yeah. on him and saying like, Lord, define that for me. Like, yeah. take me there, help me God. And, and he will. Yeah. I, you know, in the Lord's prayer, you know, we, we all know it, you know, I think a lot of yeah. even non-Christians are familiar with the Lord's prayer, but it's like thy kingdom come, thy will be done on yeah. earth as it is in heaven. And that is that mantra, thy will be done, your will be done, Lord, is, um, it is just so radical. Like if mm-hmm. um, in the satanic Bible, um, am I the first person to quote the satanic Bible on your show? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, in the, the satanic Bible, basically like the theme is my will be done. Mm. Like that's all that matters is my will be done. And you know, we contrast that with what God is saying is my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we are standing in front of a moment and we have to make a choice of, am I going to do this my way or God's way? We have an opportunity in that moment to, you know, really align ourselves with some powerfully dark things, or we have the opportunity to usher in the kingdom of heaven. Like we, we get a taste of the kingdom every time we say with our lives, with our action, every time we act out your will be done, we bring the kingdom to, we bring the kingdom to earth. And it's like, that is so cool. You know, God, would you let us be a people who are ushering your kingdom by living out thy will be done in moments where we could have chose my will be done. But could we, would you give us the inspiration, God, to bring your kingdom closer to heaven by saying your will be done. Hey guys, Laura Lee here. In last week's episode, I interviewed my friend Kiwani Vallejo Cook. Kiwani shared her story of having grown up in poverty in the Philippines and how the generosity of one person through Compassion International changed her life forever. I feel passionately about this organization because they are holistically meeting needs and bringing education, medical care, and the light of Jesus to children in extreme poverty. I am partnering with Compassion to help bring more children into the light. Through this organization, you can be a part of the solution. So head over to the show description to find more information about how you can sponsor a child today. It's a perfect Christmas present. You can give generosity to someone this holiday season. And I'm just excited for you to be a part of this with me. Now back to my conversation with Dustin. Dustin, I would love to talk about your journey as an artist. So you started as a performer and then ventured into creation and writing and producing. What has that journey looked like for you? One of my um, one of my close friends, his name is Willow, and he's a, um, a drag queen. And he just says, if you have a paycheck, I have a talent. And <sighs> I love that. <laughs> I just like, as a freelance artist, it's like you really have to move and shift. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I... 
you know, some people are have that natural ability to do one thing excellently. You know, they're an amazing saxophone player, and you know that's they've you know worked their whole life to be incredible at that, and that's what they do. Yeah, um, I'm not that amazing at any one thing, um, but God has given me aptitude and the desire and even the love of yeah. doing lots of things, many things, and yeah. Um, I think just early on, I just, I loved seeing how things work, the process of theater, how many different artists it takes to make something mm. happen from the scenic painters, the costume designers, the lighting design, yeah. you know, how many artists it takes to make a musical, you know, writers, composers, lyricists, um, actors, dancers, you know, it's amazing. It's just everything. I just, I love it so much. And I, I love getting to do kind of it all and so in my life I've, I've been very fortunate to have done a lot of different things professionally like I've been a professional wig designer I've done costumes or set design or wow. I've been a, a composer a playwright uh, a dancer I danced in the Nutcracker with the <laughs> with wow. the ballet a couple of years ago but you know I was I was the lead singer of a ska band or not a ska band a, a rockabilly band and you know there's oh just oh my so gosh <laughs> that is so cool I just I loved the artistic journey and I just, I love trying new things and learning yeah. more. And, um, but yeah, I've had a lot of crazy, crazy experiences. <laughs> I bet, I bet you can like speak in appreciation for all the different areas, the facets of the theater, that everything that goes into it in a way that uh, most people can't because they haven't literally been in that position before. So that's yeah, I did some really aggressive community theater growing up and I uh -huh. think that that was like the ground where you just kind of saw like if no one's going to paint the set right now it's gonna, not going to get done so you jump in and you do that yes. and you kind of like learn how a lot of things are done and um, you're building props and you know you're just you're going beyond the boundaries of what an actor should be doing <laughs> yeah I remember when I first worked on like my first equity stage you know and like I was like moving my own set pieces and you know like picking yeah. up like chairs in the rehearsal room and they're like what are you doing you're taking our job away and I was like oh, I was just being kind you know and they're like no you don't have to do that here you don't have to do that here so gosh I bet that was so refreshing they're like oh wow this humility I love it, it was. <laughs> <laughs> well Dustin I I came and saw your production of Revelation the musical off-Broadway last year when I was in New York City and then recently watched your um, your project Ecclesiastes on YouTube that you you guys did and it's just so it's incredible I mean it, it's a I said this before we started our conversation but it was just like hearing the book of Revelation the word of God just being like sung and performed and just letting those words wash over you as an audience member was just so empowering it was amazing um so I would love to talk to you a little bit about like what inspired that what has been your heart around um bringing books of the bible stories from the bible to life in the performing arts I think there's a couple things that have contributed to like that desire um mm -hmm. uh, my mom is just loves the word of god like she mm. loves scripture and um I love your mom <laughs> self-proclaimed <laughs> she is um tone deaf like um oh, and so like at night um she I don't think she really is like she's sung with choirs anyhow but like she mm. um instead of like when we were young instead of singing lullabies for us she would just re recite like chapters of scripture that she had memorized 
So like my, wow. my, my personal like lullaby was the book of Ephesians, or I'm sorry, the book of Philippians. You know, I thank my God for you every time I think of you and, you know, I pray with joy. And, you know, that was my, like every night, my mom would like recite that as we were falling asleep. Okay. And... Can your mom start a podcast slash <laughs> can your mom write a book about this? Cause that is just so cool. I mean, to think that I'm let you continue like, to think that I'm just envisioning her, like speaking, that speaking truth over your child's life every night before they go to bed. Okay. Continue. I'm, I'm yeah. amazed. What's your I mean, mom's so... name? My my mom is her name is Kay. Oh, go Kay. Yeah, I mean, just such a powerful, super mom. it's such a power, it's truly super mom, and just seeing the Lord work in her life and what He has rescued and saved her from. Mm. Um, I mean, she shouldn't be here, you know. Like by wow. all accounts, like the the abuse and things that she had gone through to be standing here today, she's a miracle. Mm. Um, she is nothing short of a miracle. And I just, I treasure, you know, as an adult man now, I treasure just the time I have with her and she's still with us. And I'm so, so very grateful that I have my mom, you know, in this season of my life. Um, but so she, she would just memorize scripture like crazy. And I, I think part of it was just for her own sanity, you know, like just her own survival of just hiding the word of God in your heart. You know, and just sometimes when we go through traumatic experiences or trauma, we can't even trust our own brains. Like we, we feel like my brain isn't working the way a normal brain should. And in those moments, it's like, I can't, I can't even trust my own thoughts right now. And Mm. so I, what I can trust is scripture, you know, and just to have the safety of, and the peace of that. Truly. Um, and I, I've seen that too. There's been seasons of my life where my life has been so chaotic and I just feel like I'm being torn apart in duplicity or, you know, whatever I'm struggling with at the time. And the book of Revelation, the musical will just like play in my mind. And I'm just like so grateful to, to have that when I'm brain dead. And I just need mm-hmm. to like, like you said, just let it wash over you, let it refresh you. And it does. It's it's amazing. I don't, you know, I've been doing Revelation. We're celebrating the 10-year anniversary. Um, the day mm. after Thanksgiving, we have a, um, a special presentation that it's never been presented online before. And we're presenting the whole thing the day after Thanksgiving um, for wow. the first time ever to celebrate the 10 years. And um, What just, timing it, then this episode, guys, yeah, oh, listening to it, that's this Thursday. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, we have um, just some wonderful things. We're doing that. And then um, I'm going off tangent a little bit, but uh, on New Year's Day, we're presenting, I have a musical I wrote on the book of Samson. Um, It's set in a 1980s WrestleMania theme. Um, So it's, um, we've, we just keep seeing, we're saying we're starting the New Year's with a pow, but so we got Revelation, you know, after the success of Ecclesiastes, um, we have Revelation coming up the day after Thanksgiving and then New Year's, we have Samson and, um, it's just, it's so exciting to see these works come Mm, to life. Um, if anyone has, um, wants more information, they can, uh, go to the website levelground.nyc. And if they're interested in just more information of when it's happening or, um, if they want to like help support it financially, we have a great need for that too. Um, cause we, we want to pay artists and we want to, you know, honor the worker, the worker is worthy of the wage. And we want to, you know, partner with people and, you know, yeah. we want to be generous with the artists who are working and bringing this work to life. So yeah. if, they, if people have a vision for bringing God's word, um, in really creative ways, or they want to, you know, um, partner with uh, us artistically or partner with us, um, financially, 
uh, just visit levelground.nyc. Mm. My commercial is over. Yes. No, I love it. I love it. I know there are probably so many people that are so excited to hear more and to um, watch. I'm so, so excited to watch Revelation the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's um, so we it, it's uh, we're celebrating the 10 year anniversary. And in those 10 wow. years, we've had eight complete different companies of the show. Oh, my um, gosh. I did not know that. Yeah, it's been That's performed amazing. with eight different casts um, in over 30 different venues. Um, and so we have video footage of all of these different, you know, moments that we've performed yeah. and we're putting it all together in like kind of the best of the 10 years, you know, and oh featuring, my gosh. um, I think we, we, um, Alyssa Molnar, our co-producer, um, she was a co-producer at Broadway. She produced the Ecclesiastes concert by herself and she's co-producing this, but she was just working on the press release. We have over 60 artists that have been a part of Revelation. Um, that will be featured in what we're doing the day after Thanksgiving. So that's just mm. like so cool to have so many people over the years be a part of it. But I'm just so excited for it to finally yeah. be online for people to see it. And, you know, it's it's going to be really, really fun. That's so exciting. Wow. Well, Dustin, at the end of every episode, I ask my guests two fun questions. Are you ready? I think I am. Okay. I wrote this question before I knew that Kay had been teaching you Bible stories since you were so little. And obviously Mm -hmm. it's such a big part of your work and um, your passion for God's word. But so my question is, what's your favorite Bible story? And what has that story taught you in life? I, it's kind of like, that's kind of a question, like what food do you want for dinner? You know, it's like, it depends on your mood, you know, it depends on the day. um, I think a story that has always resonated with me and it's kind of on the darker side, but the story of King Saul, um, Mm. you know, I I think too, he was a head taller than everyone. Um, and Mm. so I think I related to that as a kid being a head taller than everyone. Um, but just on the outside, he had everything that Israel needed for a king, you know, like he was the leader, he was good at battle. He was the right lineage. He, you know, was the right height. He just, he was impressive outwardly. Mm. Um, and, as his life rolls on, he just loses it. And I I think it's just, it's such a good reminder that, you know, as polished as we present ourselves, we Mm. can, you know, and some of us are better at looking polished than others. Mm. And um, for those of us who are good at polishing the outside, we have to, we can't neglect what's happening on the inside. And so I think the story of Saul, even though it doesn't have a happy ending, I think it's one of my favorites. Um, just because it reminds me that you can look as impressive as you want on the outside, but what what's going on inside is what truly matters. Yeah. Wow. That's a word. Yeah. For every day. <laughs> every every day for single me. day. Yeah. Okay. My next question is, what is something on your Christmas list? I'm clearly excited about Christmas. Um, it's a podcast, so you can't see me, but I have on a Christmas sweater because I'm so excited. It has, um, it's like um, crocheted or knitted. It has yeah. snowmen. In the Actually, room. fun fact, and... my 10th grade boyfriend bought this for me from Goodwill, and I've kept up with it because I think it's just like the coolest old sweatshirt. But what do you want for Christmas? Come on, sophomore boyfriend. <laughs> High school. That was so many years ago. <laughs> Um, for Christmas, I honestly, um, I 
I would just love for people to watch Revelation and Samson or Ecclesiastes. Like truly. You guys make his Christmas dreams come true. I really would just love people to watch it. And I mean, if if people have the financial means, I would love to be encouraged with financial gifts, (laughs) you know, just to continue this work and to just see the power of how these stories being told in creative ways can make an impact in people's lives. And they're just so fun. You know, yeah. Samson is so, so like, I think Ecclesiastes is, you know, very thought provoking. Mm-hmm. Um, and Samson is too, but then Samson is also 1980s WrestleMania. You yeah. know, like it's, it's very yeah. fun too. So it's just, so there's, there's kind of something for everyone and I just want people to enjoy it. Um, and so that's, I would love that. You, mm. If you're listening right now, you can help make my Christmas wish a reality. Please do. (laughs) I love that. Oh, well, Dustin, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was such a blessing. Thank you for having me. I feel like super honored to be in such a a great echelon of amazing guests. Mm, I'm honored to have you. Yeah, I love what you're doing. I think it's so fun. Keep it up. Keep up the good work, kiddo. Thanks, Dustin. (laughs) What a conversation with Dustin Thank you, Dustin, for sharing your story, for bringing real life to light, and for just encouraging us, for reminding us that God loves us and has only good in store for those who obey him and for those who follow him and seek the truth found in the word of God. At the end of every episode, I open the word of God and bring truth to light. So today we're going to dive into Galatians chapter 3. 26 through 29, where it says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This passage comes from Paul's letter to the churches in Galatia. Paul is writing to the Galatians to bring them back to the simple truth of the gospel. Paul's letter to the churches in Galatia is an anthem of liberty, freedom, and true salvation. He writes to them, reminding them of Jesus Christ's death on the cross and how it is by his grace that we have been saved through faith alone. It's not from ourselves. It is a gift of God. The Galatians had been led astray by people in the church who were preaching a gospel that said you had to perfectly follow Jewish traditions such as circumcision in order to receive true salvation. So basically, false teachers had convinced the Galatians that they were required to be circumcised to be saved. So here we have Paul, gosh I love this man, writing to them, standing firm in the truth that righteousness is gained through faith alone. Paul knew that salvation by grace alone centers on the cross of Christ and nothing else. Romans 4.25 tells us, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. So whatever it is in your mind that you think is too deep, too dark, too messy, Jesus died on the cross to set you free from that thing. Not to force you to follow some rules and get everything right. He died on the cross to carry the weight of our sin for us. And because he loves us, yes, God really loves you. Like really, 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 really loves you. 
There is no human being who has not sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and therefore we are all guilty as charged and in need of Jesus, our Savior. All of us without Jesus and his mercy would be in the dark. But the good news is, Jesus died so that we could walk in the light and be freed from our bondage and released into a new identity as his child when we have faith in him. On the cross, Jesus took the punishment we deserved, the most complete and profoundly sacrificial gift given to all humanity. His death on the cross was an act of grace. He saw our sin, our mess, and our rebellion, and he did what we could not do. And it's through faith in him that we are saved. It's so wonderful that it's hard to even comprehend. It says it in God's word, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. And what's important for us to remember is that grace was not earned. It cannot be earned. For Romans 6.23 reminds us that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God gave us the gift of salvation through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So here in this passage, we have Paul utterly confused as to why the church leaders would want to add requirements of righteousness in an attempt to earn their salvation. He knew that faith in Jesus was and is the only way. So in Galatians chapter 2, verse 15 and 16, he says, Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. You guys, we cannot earn our way to God. It is not a measure of our works that we receive the gift of salvation. We just receive it. It's a gift from him. For the believer in Jesus, works are not a prerequisite for salvation. Rather, they are a loving response to it because of our understanding of God's love for us and our desire to live lives that give him glory. And Paul goes on to say in chapter 3, verse 26 through 27, In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Verse 27, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. When you have faith in Jesus, when you trust in him, you become a child of God. It's your identity. When you have faith in Jesus Christ, you, like he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. It is a baptism, as this verse says, a full out, no marking, all in surrender to the King of heaven and earth. In one of my favorite Bible commentaries by David Guzik, he says about this verse, many Christians seem content with just dipping a bit into Jesus. God wants us to be fully immersed in Jesus, not sprinkled, not just a part of us dipped. When a person is immersed in water, you don't even see the person much anymore. You mostly see the water. When we live as baptized into Christ, you don't see so much of me anymore. You mostly see Jesus. It becomes our clothing, our greatest claim. It is who we are. And the good news is when we are in Christ, we are all one in him. 
There were people in this time that Paul was writing who were trying to exclude some of the Christians who were Gentiles because they had not come under the law. But Paul says in verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This reminds us that we have unity in the body of Christ because of Jesus. He doesn't draw lines when it comes to his children. The dividing line between Jew and Greek was not the only dividing line erased. Jesus breaks down the walls of denominations, of gender, race, economic class, political party. We are brought into a marvelous unity in the body of Christ. And when we have faith and are in Christ, we find ourselves because our creator gives us a new identity. In all of our lives, we have to answer the question, who am I? And in Jesus, we come home. Because we are sons and daughters of God, we find our place in eternity. Because we are brothers and sisters in the family of God, we find our place in society. And because we are part of God's plan for the ages, Related spiritually to Abraham by our faith in Jesus, this seed, we find our place in history. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you that it is by faith alone that we have received everything. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus to rescue us and to bring us into right relationship with you. Lord, I pray that you help us believe today that Jesus is enough and that he nailed to the cross our mess in the weight of this world so that we could be set free from sin and death. Praise God. Help us to receive your grace today and have faith in Jesus, our Savior, who loves us more than we can even comprehend. Father, help us see ourselves the way you see us, as your children, made in the image of God and fearfully and wonderfully made. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, thank you for listening. I want to give a shout out to the Blue Letter Bible app and David Guzik for the resources he has created that help me grow an understanding of God's Word. I use it, you guys, every single day. It's a free app if you want a helpful resource for Bible study. Download the Blue Letter Bible app. This isn't an ad, this is just a highly recommended tool. It's awesome. Do you need some friendship? Do you want to study the Bible alongside other women? At the beginning of quarantine, I started the community, College Girls for Christ, as a place for us to gather to study God's word and grow in our faith together. We need each other to keep our eyes on Jesus and to step into the fullness of what he has called us to. My life has been changed by discipleship, and so I hope this community catalyzes relationships in a love of God's word. Some of the sweetest friendships and memories have come out of this online gathering place. And I want to invite you to be a part of it. Starting in the beginning of December, we will be doing an Advent study called Emmanuel 16 Encounters with Jesus. There's a link in the show description to sign up to join the community and join our study in just a few weeks. Thanks to Helen Kemeny and Mike Stapleton for the original music heard on the podcast. And thanks to Colleen Bruton for editing the show. Go in light and love, friend, and I'll talk to you next week.